0: Welcome to another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. I'm Sam Gormley. He's Mick Nelson. And Mick, uh, how are we doing? It's uh, I, I don't. We're not even at a sad Wednesday. I don't even know the word to describe
1: it. Um, I don't know. I feel like a lot of pressure has been kind of relieved from from my fandom, uh, because because of the uh, because of the events that transpired on Sunday. I mean, am I necessarily happy about it? No, but there is like a sense of relief. Uh, that I don't know. I don't have to put myself in any high stress sports situations for a while. So yeah, um, yeah. There's there's no question about that. I know I shared with
0: you too, that uh, there was, I have a wedding of a good friend that is coming up here and it is next Saturday. So in 10 days, which is one of the potential playoff wi- uh, windows. And I was really stressing because I'm like, I can't miss the wedding, mm-hmm. but if if it's like, you know, Bengals bills or something in the first round of the playoffs and and he's getting married up there, I don't even know the the mentality that I'm going to be in. And knowing him, too, he'd probably be kind of stressed with it as well. So luckily, I guess, if it's only for selfish reasons, that isn't necessarily happening when it comes to it. But still, overall, disappointed that the Cincinnati Bengals season, I mean, it technically hasn't come to an end because technically there's still another game to be played. But in all reality, the season came to an end on Sunday in Kansas City for the second straight season.
1: Yeah. Yep, they are done. They're done until September of 2024.
0: Coming up on the show today, though, we are, we've are we got a lot planned for you. Is We're going to talk about the Bengals' playoff hopes ending. Uh, we'll break all of that down from that game. But then we're going to kind of, instead of diving into the Browns game on Sunday, because, listen, we don't know really who's going to play for the Browns. Heck, in some instances, we don't know who's going to play for the Bengals at the same realm. We're going to talk a lot more big picture. So we've each come up with five items. So for myself, I've come up with the five questions I'm asking heading into the offseason. And then Mick has five season takeaways as a whole for the Cincinnati Bengals coming up for it. We'll also, we'll touch a little bit on that Browns game and breaking that aspect down and everything you'll need to know for that. We'll have our picks and everyone wants to know, Mick, your keys to the win on Sunday for the Bengals oh and the Browns. I don't know if you've come up with that quite yet, but uh, we get to uh, wait until the end of the show for that. I don't get hurt. Up
1: disclaimer, right now, I have done none. No, I've done absolutely no previewing of this Browns game. So this you at is least know who's starting
0: awesome. at quarterback for
1: the Cleveland Browns. We'll
0: talk yes. about that name a little bit later on. In the podcast, we do want to make sure that we give our good friend Josh Isles over our WDN Today. Thank you for streaming on his page. Make sure to follow us on our social media channels as well. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. We are on YouTube. We're on all of the different ways for you to join us. Uh, Appreciate you tuning in today. And I think, you know what, before we dive into the Chiefs, let's at least talk about this because I think it's a perfect uh, transition into once we throw the comment up. Uh, the Bengals lost to the Chiefs. That happened. It's on. We can talk about it. But it does finalize the 2024 schedule for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mick, are you ready for this? You ready for the games that you're going to be watching for here in the 2024 season? The home schedule. I know these, these three are going to surprise you. These three are going to surprise you. They're going to host the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns. I know that blows your mind that that's going to happen. Uh, you didn't didn't see that coming, did you?
1: Nope.
0: They're going to host the Broncos. They're going to host the Raiders. So that's their AFC West. They will host the Eagles and the Commanders. That's their NFC East. And then they will host the Patriots because the Patriots finished in fourth in the AFC East. Going on the road, obviously going to the AFC North teams at the Cowboys, back to Kansas City for the Chiefs, at the Chargers, at the Giants, at the Panthers, and at the Titans. Those last two Were aspects for the uh were because of last place finishing in that, so just like that, like said here, the fourth place schedule does at least bring some semblance of optimism, at least in my realm. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, that's uh, that's the beauty of placing in fourth place, get a fourth place schedule. Now, I will say and I've I've voiced this concern to you or this opinion to you so many times, you're probably tired of me hearing it. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that we get the home game against New England because we played Buffalo this year. We both placed first last year in our respective divisions, and we're not playing the AFC East in 2024. So in theory, the AFC East team that we're playing next year the patriots should be away and the titans game should be at home so i i gotta throw that out there it makes no sense to me those should have that should have transitioned to an away game this year and then the south game should have been at home i'm not sure why the schedule makers decided to just uh flip-flop like that they usually stay pretty consistent on that i think but I'm done with yeah, I mean,
0: it. but then again, like it's said here, I mean, Kansas City had to come to us back to back years. Buffalo's had to come to us back to back years as well. well so yeah, you've, not you've to, I'm not so, even talking about that. I'm just
1: talking about like, was, Oh, you know, and I, well, so with Kansas City, like back to back years, it makes sense, right? Because one
0: is the AFC West rotation and yeah, one the other is was the AFC first place.
1: Yeah. Correct. So that that's different. Like this is a, uh, this is with the with the placement of the uh, of the rotationals there, uh, I don't know. I just it's not that yeah. big of a deal, but I it irks me because this will be the
0: fourth bad. straight year, Riley that the Bengals have played at the Titans. Uh, now obviously one of those four was in the playoffs. so I don't you can't really count that with that. is it the, is, uh, yeah, it will uh, be the fourth straight yes because yeah. they played there last year, you know, in November, right after Thanksgiving this year in a game that we don't need to talk about. Uh, and then they head back there next year in in Nashville as well. So there's a lot to, to like about. I I at least enjoy. And we're gonna we'll have a show coming up in May or April or whenever it might be where we're probably gonna like create our own mock schedule and maybe we can figure out some Ooh, game that's mix. A good idea see. for sure. You no, know there we go. We're, we're gonna we're gonna do like a game and see who can get the most right in each individual week. And maybe we get bonus points for picking primetime games right. Uh there we go. There's a show idea for like first one in May. Uh, we yeah. can talk about because the schedule usually comes up. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I, I always enjoy that. I mean, looking at this too is prime time. Uh, for me, my first glance was, okay, what would be the stripe the jungle game? And what would be the whiteout game? Uh, I think Eagles gets one of those two because I could see Eagles at Bengals being a decent prime time game. Mm-hmm. But then like Patriots at Bengals screams Thursday night football. I I I don't know why it, it just it that
1: feels it like said a, that about the Texans game this year and that just got thrown into a one o'clock time slot. So I'm correct. Not.
0: But then again, my also hope is that they get an AFC North home primetime game, something that they have not had a regular season home primetime game since Ryan Finley back in 2020. Uh, and mm-hmm. even then, I don't really count that. So that's my hope with that. Uh, some breaking news did come in right before the show as well. Jamar
1: Chase has been named to the Pro Bowl games. Yay! It's <laughs> our consolation prize. Trey has Trey not? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. At
0: least it is. If it is not come get through some yet. Some
1: type of postseason award, which you know the Pro Bowl is kind of a postseason award. Um, I'm going to be a little disappointed because he has had a fantastic season this season. He's had a really good season
0: without question. He's been one of the, the big players on this on the defense as a whole. Uh, no question about that. Uh, Bengals lost to the Chiefs on Sunday, but end of the season playoff hopes dashed because the city near West Virginia won in Seattle. Thanks Seattle for that. Mick (laughs) takeaways as a whole from that game. Um,
1: Oh, I think, man. you know,
0: it was really a tale of two halves for the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Yes, it was. It's like, you know, I don't think it was like their worst game of the season by any means. I think they played okay. Like, you know, it, it was, I, I, I like to think of it as like the best parallel I can find for that in mid season is probably the Seahawks game from week five or week six where the offense and the defense were you know, they kind of got going, but you know, the offense stagnated in the second half, and then the defense just didn't bail them out. And uh, I think – but I think it was, like, a pretty middle-of-the-road game for them. Like, I think um, they played, like we said, really good in the first half and uh, poorly in the second half. Um, And it just seemed like every single problem in that second half that we've talked about this season – just got exposed uh in every way imaginable. You know, we've we've had qualms about the offensive line this season. Now they didn't have like a terrible game. Uh the six sacks are a little misleading. A lot of them happened late. Um but, you know, they, you know, definitely were, you know, the offensive line, the Chiefs pass rush is definitely a factor late in the game. Made it fairly hard for Jake Browning. We talked about secondary issues, which it wasn't their worst game of the year in coverage, but definitely uh you kind of you should expect it to not be your worst game against those Chiefs receivers, but um you know, there was a few big plays that definitely caused them to score points in the second half. The Rasheed Rice sixty seven yard catch, the Justin Watson uh forty one yard catch. Um oh and I and I already and I definitely Nailed this on the preview last week. Isaiah Pacheco uh, just did whatever the hell he wanted with our run defense. And I told you, told you, Sam. Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco against Zach Carter, Josh Tupo, B.J. Hill and company is a nightmare. His over under,
0: I think, for rushing yards going into that game, at least that I found was like 61 and a half. And I was like, free money. (laughs) Yeah. Free money. Yeah. Uh, with that. I think Augie writes in the point here. He says the whole game swung in that fourth and one going up seven would have been huge. Not mad. Zach was coaching the win. I don't yep, know that, that I, I necessarily think it swung. Uh, I think yours he, he, to me. I think you, you look at this two ways. Let's first go. Should he have gone forward on fourth down and one in the red zone? Yep. And Mick, I think we both agree without question. Yes. I didn't yep. hate that decision to go for it because I think the Chiefs were on, they were backpedaling. At the moment, you could have gone in there with a knockout punch. If you'd have punched that in for a touchdown, that's why I had absolutely no issue with, with going it at all. And I saw somebody in, I don't know if it was where it was bring up the point that saying, Oh, well, the chiefs were just kicking field goals. So you should have kicked the field goal to stay up three. In my opinion, since they were being held to field goals, that's why you should have all the more reason to go for it and go for the kill, because then you would go up by, technically in that realm over two scores if you're just holding them to field goals now the second part of that is the play call itself and i think that is where the criticism can come against zach taylor
1: yeah really bad play call draw play or a delayed handoff on a fourth and what one fourth and two whatever it was um you know, definitely don't disagree with the decision to go for it. Uh, terrible play-call decision. Um, yeah. I, the interior offensive line got blown up in this game. You know, and I, I know I said that the offensive line did okay. Uh, but that's more or less, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. And then Ted Karras was okay, I guess. But Alex Kappa got absolutely destroyed by Chris Jones um, on Sunday. And I just... Yeah, but you're going to run a delayed handoff inside when, you know, the Chiefs are stacking the box and, you know, Chris Jones is having the game he's having. That's, yeah, really bad play call. I wish they went with something else there, but uh, definitely did not disagree with the decision to go for it.
0: Yeah, I I I don't at all. Um, I think, you know, the the biggest takeaway too as well is on the defense, and I know Mick, it's been something that we talked about last week a lot. And it kind of came up again, is it was the bend but not break. That game was the epitome of it. they bent, there was, but they did not break much in that at all. Because it was just field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. And after that, there was a
1: couple more field goals in there. I don't know. I, I have a love hate relationship with it because it's like, you know, it's good. They don't give up points at a very high rate, you know, but they are also gassing themselves out by being on the field for so long because they're giving up, you know, chunk plays in the middle, you know, in between the twenties or whatever, or um, yeah. Yeah. They, so they're giving up chunk plays are on the field for much longer. The offense uh, for, you know, a decent amount of time this season has shown an inability to do the same and stay on the field against opposing defenses, a lot of three and outs this year. So, I mean, that's the kind of the uh I qualm the qualm I have with that. But uh yeah, you know, I don't think the defense was terrible other than, you know, the interior defensive line and dealing with Pacheco. Um but yeah, the big plays, you know, they kind of killed them a little bit.
0: Cuz I think really for the most part you know all coming into that game what was the one thing I think a lot of people you you know you were concerned about Pacheco but obviously one of the other names that kept coming up and will come up anytime you play the Chiefs other than Taylor Swift was is Travis Kelsey and he really for the most part was a non-factor in the game I think that 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 to me is one of the big positives from that game is you know in the first half he was held to without any catches which I think the only other time in the last like two years, I think they put it up on the broadcast, that he had been held without a catch and a half was against the Bengals last year. So I, I think that is a positive for me, at least, in that game for the defense. And what has been a weakness is guarding the tight end. But that's been better the past couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I wonder who the new uh, Trey Flowers is. I don't know who they have on the... You know, who you saw had a little on Dax Hill end?
0: on him at times. Dax is on him
1: a little bit. We definitely uh, know and, Mike Hilton was not on him because Mike Hilton is tiny. But uh, so Dax, was Nick is Nick Scott turning into the tight end specialist? Nick
0: Scott was in there at times as well, but I think I mean you you look at it. The last couple of weeks, the Bengals have faced really good tight ends. You look at the Vikings, TJ Hawkinson. I didn't mean, do much. no, uh, uh, Muth. really didn't do Our, uh, do yeah. do anything at all, really. Uh, now, he did, obviously, the, the previous matchup, but I think you're mm-hmm. at least seeing, if you're wanting to take a positive from this game, is maybe they found something, at least in that realm, of slowing down the tight end, which is important because, I mean, you you look and, I mean, the tight end position is becoming more and more important and is only going to get better and better, I think, in this league. Yep. You're finding a lot more just really, really good young tight ends in this league. The new core is coming. The Kelseys are on their way out, but you've got this young, nice guy, and then you got a guy in the draft coming who might be better than all of them.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh,
0: as far as the other one, I mean, we talked about the, you know, the second half struggles, for the offense. I mean, the first half, the offense looked great. I mean, with a yeah. backup quarterback, they were driving the ball against Chiefs defense that is pretty solid. They were running the ball with success. Uh, they were, I mean, passing with success, quick hitters and so on. But then in the second half, uh, it can be a little bit misleading because they ended up falling behind, which allowed for that pass rush for the chiefs just to tee off and just keep on pressuring and pressuring and pressuring. But I think as a whole, the offense was good in the first half and I think disappointing in the second half.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, pretty much the what I was saying earlier, it's a lot like that Seahawks game from uh, from October. Uh, Browning had a pretty decent game when 19 of 34 uh, 197 yards touchdown uh, didn't have any turnover worthy plays in that game which is uh, which is a huge plus because he had five of them against the Steelers last week uh, average time to throw 3.33 seconds per drop back which is way better than uh, the status quo has been for the season for Burrow and Browning um, you know and I think if Jamar and T weren't obviously injured. Um, I think the offense probably could have looked even better. Or not, he probably definitely would have looked better. Uh, Jamar was held in check. He only had three receptions for 41 yards. T only had a reception for 19 yards. Um, Boyd had, what, two for 29? I didn't even bother looking at Boyd's stat line. Uh, But... Uh, the only the, reason
0: I know that is because he was in a parlay that I had set because his number was like 32 and a half. And I felt somewhat decent for some reason that he'd be able to hit that. And I was just a little I bit short. You
1: would think that, yeah, you would think it would he would actually hit that just because uh Jamar was playing injured going up against Jerry Sneed. Trent McDuffie probably would have been matched up on Higgins, I would think. Uh don't know who they would have matched up on Boyd, but yeah, he didn't end up really doing much. Uh, you know, they used they utilized the running backs quite a bit. They ended up having six total targets um in the game. You know, Mixon had four receptions, 22 yards, and a touchdown. Uh looked really good as a receiving back. Chase Brown made a few nice plays. Um yeah, so I think if Jamar and T were in, the offense would have looked a lot better than what it did and it's not like the offense had a terrible performance it wasn't a great performance by any means uh definitely i would say the definition of a mediocre middle of the road performance for them um with but, yeah. a
0: backup quarterback in a hostile environment and a must win game for the kansas city chiefs so yeah, when you kind of add on to that it, i mean
1: and then in a, in a, just in a, in a very heated rivalry and that's another aspect we should probably touch on they were multiple Multiple skirmishes that broke out in this game. (laughs) Um, Jamar Uh, Chase looked like he was going to have his Yassiel Puig, Amir Garrett moment uh, in the second quarter, and I totally thought he was about to get ejected. I I was thinking A.J. Green on Jalen Ramsey, too, you know, kind
0: of thing. But, yeah, even with uh, Jamar, it did kind of look like the Amir Garrett thing where he was about to fight them all, all at once. Yes. I think, to me, I made the comment, and I think it's accurate that, uh, Kansas City Cincinnati is the best non divisional rivalry in the NFL right now, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's close. I know I saw I made that comment, and somebody that I know said Cowboys Niners. And I said, no. yeah, that's 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 oh, not a, no. like that's not a like, bad. I would think but Bills is,
1: Chiefs would be close. Like I think Bills Chiefs would be somewhat close, or you know. That's really the only thing I can say. Yeah,
0: imagine. but I think it is It is without question, and it's getting up there with some of the, the biggest divisional rivalries as well. Augie writes in and says, now, is Browning an RFA or unrestricted? I'm under the impression that he's restricted. He is what is called an exclusive rights free agent, which pretty much just means that the Bengals have to pay him the bare minimum next year, and he's a Cincinnati Bengal.
1: So how long is that in effect for? One year. One so they year. get him
0: I think out of that from one year and then I, I I'll be honest I know in our show here in these next couple of weeks we're gonna be diving deeper into each position and so on and what the contract situation is on all of these and we'll talk a lot about that Jake Browning contract because it's really interesting because I know Mick as we were talking about uh, a couple of nights ago his uh his average value you know is projected to be if he would be like a free agent he would be getting what about five million dollars as a backup mm-hmm. quarterback. So that's, that's about $4 million. The Bengals get to save against the cap. And for a team that it's a big offseason for them. I think that's, that's huge for those $4 million could be spent a lot of different ways. As far as, you know, it could be a player. It could be a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting though, with, with Jake Browning. Um, any other takeaways or you, do you want to jump into your more bigger picture season takeaways that you have that I don't know what they are and you don't know what my five questions are? I'm assuming we're going to have some overlap because I'm sure that the takeaways are questions and the questions are takeaways in some instances as well.
1: Yeah, I'll give a give a couple of shout outs in good in, in good faith and a bad faith here. Good, good faith shout outs here going to Trey had a decent game. Uh, obviously, had the strip sack. Hilton, Mike Hilton, and CTB were both exceptional in, in coverage. You could kind of tell they were missing CTB there. Uh, combined, they only gave up six receptions for not or six uh, six receptions on nine targets for only eight yards. Uh, so that was really impressive. Um, bad things, bad things, bad things. Hill and Hubbard were non factors uh, in the pass rush. And uh, I think I'm I might be in the category of starting Miles Murphy or giving him a lot more snap. I think it should be a 50 50 snap share between him and Hubbard next year, uh, which I think the the defense is probably leaning towards anyways, just given where he was drafted. Um, DJ Turner wasn't in very much, but when he did, he gave up 41 yard catch to a uh, to Justin Watson, um, who shouldn't. Um, that, that just, that shouldn't happen. Um, Zach Carter should not be on the team this season or next season. Uh, he was awful and, uh, Pratt only had one assisted tackle and was on the field for almost every snap, I think. So, uh, that's about it.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, your your points are, are valid here. I know Riley right since Hubbard's hurt too, which doesn't help. Should sit out next week, honestly. I know oh, that injury will. has been nagging with him. I would not be upset to see Sam Hubbard sit out on Sunday and just tell him, "Hey bud, we'll see you. We'll see you when OTAs happen there right after the draft. You know, get yourself healthy. This game means nothing. There's no point in you pushing it anymore. Uh, we'll see you then. And plus, like you mentioned, Mick, is it'll give more snaps to Miles Murphy to see what you got in him. Uh, going up against uh, the Browns, a Browns team that if they're starting, how how they're going to do their offensive line? We obviously have no idea. A good offensive line, so you get the opportunity to see him work against a, a solid offensive line. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that those are your main takeaways from the Bengals' loss to the Chiefs. So let's 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 take a step back here. Let's go bird's eye view, Mick. Uh, your five season takeaways as a whole from this year for the Cincinnati Bengals. And then I have my off questions leading in and things that we are going to be talking about a lot over these next couple of weeks. Mick, I, I guess just hit me up with your first one right now. Your season takeaway number one.
1: Yeah. Uh, so kind of touched on this last week, but uh, Zach Taylor has shown a clear ability to respond uh, when his teams are faced with a ton of adversity. Um, we've seen it time and time again this year, burrow calf injury. They managed to survive that and get back to, uh, a winning record after starting off one and three, uh, burrow goes down with a season ending wrist injury. They rattled off three, uh, consecutive wins against quality opponents in the Jaguars, Colts, and Vikings. Uh, and uh, you know they've also had just some absolutely incredible games with Burrow with the Bills and the in the Niners games highlighted. So, but uh, his ability to respond given everything that's happened this year, and yeah, are they is the team going to the playoffs? No, um, you know the team's going to end up either eight nine or nine and eight. Um, but you know I think we were all expecting when Burrow went down and Jake Browning was thrusted into action that this team was going to lay down, maybe win a game and, and finish six and 11. And and they didn't uh, now in doing that, they did screw over their draft position, but that's uh that's a complaint for a different day. But um, you know, I, th- I, I was very encouraged with the way that, that this team and this locker room held together for, for the rest of the season after Joe Burrow's injury.
0: I couldn't agree more. Say what you want about Zach Taylor. He is a good head coach. You can say what yep. you want about the play caller thing. I, I, I frankly, we don't have the time to have that discussion, nor do I have the energy to have that discussion tonight. But I, I think you cannot argue that the man is a good head coach. He's a good leader of men. And the biggest thing with it is that these guys buy into what he's
1: saying. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. And I think Number they would,
0: would go to war for him without question. Yeah. Go on.
1: Number two. Uh, DJ Reader provided a ton of concealer to the underlying issues of the Bengals defense this year. And I don't know if that's really like much of a surprise to anybody. I think we, a lot of us, realized that once DJ was down, uh, the interior defensive line was not going to hold up. BJ Hill has taken a step back this season. Josh Tupow offers nothing uh, in the interior. Uh, I love Zach Carter, you are that <laughs> Carter offers less than what Josh Tupo offers and that clearly showed against the chiefs and it, and it really showed against the Steelers because Najee also ran the ball down her throats that game. So, and, and also, I mean, he was a huge, he was a huge force in pass rush too. It wasn't, you know, that he was a, you know, he's a one trick pony um, and is just a run stuffer. This man was providing a lot of pass rush last year and then you know he's out obviously the interior defense line wasn't doing anything or didn't do anything sam hubbard obviously was not uh you know 100% healthy and really not able to generate a pass rush uh so and then you know his pass rush along with Trey's, they really helped uh you kind you know kind of cover up the issues we've had with the secondary this season and forcing quarterbacks to get the ball out quicker so uh, that's my second takeaway.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't don't disagree with it at all. In fact, it ties very much into one of my offseason questions that will be coming up, in fact, a couple of them uh, when we come up here a little bit. What's number three of your main
1: season takeaways? T. Higgins might have played himself out of a wide receiver one contract. Uh, thus, it might make re-signing him to a team-friendlier contract this offseason more of a possibility than it was at the beginning of the season t higgins has had a a a crappy year um you know there have been issues with drops which he is i think top 10 in the league in drops this year and he also has missed like a fair amount of games uh he's had issues with opis he hasn't been getting much separation um and also, on top of that, and, and I think this is an argument maybe to be had, T um, might be in the injury-prone category. Uh, now, he hasn't had a season-ending injury or anything like that. Actually, he might have in 2020, but it might have came late. But um, he uh, he hasn't had a very good year. Uh, rack currently has him valued at $16.2 million a year. Um, you know, if he goes in the free agency, this upcoming, uh, this upcoming off season. And if that's the case, uh, the Bengals should jump on that immediately. And, you know, this makes the whole, the, the Joe Jamar T situation a lot easier uh, than what we originally thought it would be.
0: Yeah, no. And, and that'll I think it's a uh, safe to say that it's going to lead right into one of my off season questions. I think it's one of the no. main questions as well. What's number four? four? Four,
1: I guess we're on, right? Yep, four. Um, You know, I think this season really showed that uh, continuity of the defensive backfield is is extremely important. Um, Obviously, uh, losing Jesse and Vaughn in the same offseason was uh, not ideal at all. And it definitely showed with the way the defensive backs played this year. Uh, you've seen some good moments from this defensive backfield, uh, but also you've seen a decent amount of bad. Uh, you've seen a lot of miscommunication errors, a lot of big plays given up. But, you know, it's been a lot of, uh, lot of growing pains this season. But I am not ready to write the defensive backfield off at all. Um, that's what happens when you have a lot of turnover in the secondary. And I think it takes a while for these players to kind of gel together and operate as a unit, Um, you know. And I think I've touched on this with you uh, beforehand, but there there are two units where continuity is very is very important, and that's the offensive line and the defensive backfield. So I think we're going to see a a pretty, I think we're going to see a lot of improvement next year, and I'm hoping we do at least.
0: And then I think you also add to that and go. You know, just last year, D.J. Turner was guarding whoever the heck Iowa's number one receiver is. Uh-huh. You know, there is a little bit of a difference between going up against offenses like the Chiefs, who I know haven't been great, but still, you know what I'm saying, the Bills and so on, than uh, going up against the Iowa offense. Just a smidge of a difference between those two. Uh, so I think, yeah, I think it's it's young guys. And, and I agree here with what Augie says. You know, a bunch of young guys all with potentials, and CTB is developing into the leader back there, which is important because I think the defensive backfield definitely needs a leader. I think that's really, really important back there. The guys that Jesse Bates and Von Bell were, you didn't really have anybody in that realm, and I'm not really sure that Mike Hilton is a slot corner.
1: I He's like a hybrid that's... safety slot corner kind of guy. I'm, and I don't, I don't know, know that
0: in that position – can be like the leader of that backfield. You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I think it, it it needs to be one of your outside guys or one of your safeties, and I'll be interested to see who could step up in that realm because I could see Jordan Battle being a guy like that as well that could step up as a leader. Mick, your Zach, final season takeaways.
1: We need to accept the fact that the offensive, line, the offensive line may never be very good under Zach Taylor or Joe Burrow. And it might be more Joe Burrow than Zach Taylor, just given what the offensive scheme is. And this is the type of offensive scheme that Joe Burrow likes. He likes the offense spread out. He likes five wide receivers. Uh, he likes operating in the shotgun. And he likes running RPOs. And he really likes abandoning the run on RPOs and, and choosing with the screen pass instead. Um, so obviously Heavy RPO action, your offensive line can't really set back and anchor like it should, and nor could it really just push forward in the run game because if you have a play take forever, an RPO play take a while, then an offensive lineman's down the field on a pass play and uh, it's an illegal man downfield. So you know that's that's putting the offensive line in very precarious situations. Uh, where they're not necessarily able to plunge forward and and block forward, and they're not necessarily able to anchor back like they should either. They're just stuck in limbo. and the RPOs, while you know sometimes they can be effective, I think that they became too predictable this year and uh, and I think that the offense was way too heavily reliant on them. but this might be what we're this might be what we what we, what we should be used to. Um, so yeah, that's my fifth takeaway.
0: No, I, I I don't disagree with that at all. I know I even heard I saw a clip and it was an older clip uh from Joe Burrow. He was on some podcast or something, it came through my feed. And they they were talking to him about sacks, and they said something about, you know, you lead the league in sacks or something. And he says that really doesn't mean anything to me. And he says, His philosophy was is that a sack and his idea is a, an overblown statistic. Because he said Hello. to him because he said for him on on third down if he's not in the red zone he is going to try and extend the play somehow because a third down sack to him doesn't matter as as much you know if you have the ball on your own 40 what's a sack gonna do if it's third down and sixth you're probably not gonna go for it anyways you're probably gonna punt so why don't you try and extend the play and try and pick up the first down in that realm so that's why he said it's a little bit misleading with that because his philosophy is he's gonna try and extend the play which i think is uh is hard to disagree with. Uh, You want to jump into my off-season questions now? I think your takeaways it's hard to disagree with any of them. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, go through them. My off-season questions. I've got five of them here for you. The biggest ones that I think we're going to be talking a lot about here over these next couple of weeks. And I think we're both going to answer these, Mick. You do not know what these are, but I think if I told you to list eight questions I'm sure that you'd be able to come up with a five (laughs) they're Mm -hmm. not it's not like I'm coming up with any groundbreaking information number one will the Cincinnati Bengals
1: re-sign DJ Reader no even though Lou did come out and say they would love he would love for them to be re-signed but I think it would be a bad contract and I think I think Duke thinks the same way as well DJ Reader is almost 30 years old he's had two massive knee injuries Uh, or quad injuries, whatever you want to call them, lower leg injuries. Um, And those two reasons should be the only ones to pretty much determine whether he should be on the team or not.
0: I think the only way he comes back is in a one year that injury is not going to be ready until November or uh, October or something, because I know that... I was doing some reading that apparently that injury is 10 to 12 months sometimes. That to me is the question is, is, you know, do you sign him back to a one year? 7 million. Or seven and a half, or something like that. It's the one-year prove it for him to say, yes, I'm good, and then he gets paid again next offseason. Because I don't know that any team is going to jump in there and give him three or four years coming off of his second quad injury, now one on each leg for a 30-year-old defensive, you know, middle defensive lineman. Now, at the same time, if there is a position on a defense that you see the most older players, it probably is DJ Reader's position you do uh-huh. see more players into that 30 plus realm whereas you know your edges, your corners, your safeties and so on you don't see as many in that. So that to me is going to be a big question going into the offseason. My second one. And you touched on it Mick, and I think you probably know where I'm headed with this and it's been something that's been brought up a couple of times here T Higgins. It's a, it's a two-fold question, Mick. First off, what will the Cincinnati Bengals do with T. Higgins? And second, what should the Cincinnati Bengals do with T. Higgins?
1: So, because I think they're it could we're doing well like be a run passer boot on this. If we're doing like a run passer boot, I would say they're probably, I'd be running on him being tagged.
0: Okay. So I if you've ever played with the run passer boot, that is, uh, it's on here that podcast growling. What they do is you rank these from one, two, and three. So running is what you think is the most likely to happen. Passing is second most likely. Third is the least likely. So go on, Nick. Yeah. Just just to so say. So you run, pass, pass, or booting, and your three options are
1: are this is what I walk. Think they, yes, this is what I think they will do, and then I'll maybe okay. just do a run, pass, or boot on what I would do. Okay. Okay. So run. They tag team. Okay. Pass they extend them. Okay. And boot, they, they let them walk. I'm going to go. This is what I would do. It depends. It really just depends on what the market value is on him right now, because if it's what spot rack is saying, $16.2 million, uh, I'm running with extending T right now because he's not going to get any cheaper. If he returns back to form in 2024, um, I'm going to pass on letting him walk and sign with somebody else because there are a lot of good wide receivers out there in this draft, and you could be spending $22 million elsewhere because there's a lot of holes on this roster or a lot of decisions, a lot of other position groups that you are going to have to figure out. And, um, yeah, so that that's that's the second one. The third is I don't want to tag him for $22 million. I think it would be just – I wouldn't say it would be a waste of money because T has had really good games this year where he's proven to be worth that money, but um, I just wouldn't want to risk it given how everything's gone this season. Riley is a man after my own heart here. leaving. Oh, comments. I know. You guys should go to a room and –
0: Draft Malachi
1: a, Corley. Listen, I will love, love drafting my love boy them. from Western Malachi Kentucky. Together there.
0: Uh, it's like, uh, Ma- Marshall's never had a wide receiver worth a dang out there. Oh uh,
1: Yeah, only the <laughs> second greatest wide receiver of all time. Jamar Chase? Chad Johnson?
0: I, I don't think they went I to uh, Marshall. Uh, <laughs> so for me, what do I think the Bengals will do? I agree with you. I think they're going to tag him. And I think it'll be one of those things that he will be on the – Trading block. And I put that in quotation marks. And by that, I mean, if somebody comes with an offer, they're not going to say no, but it's not like they're going to be shopping him, I think, in that realm. Like if somebody called and said, Hey, here's a team that would be interesting to me Kansas City. Let's say they call and say, Hey, we will offer you, I don't think it would get this much, but we will offer you the 20. sixth pick or wh- wherever they pick you know would the Bengals accept that trade you know um, or would yep. would it be would it be the second a second round in a sixth round you know what would be that or that to me is the most interesting thing as to what the price tag the Bengals think are on T Higgins because I think the most likely scenario that they will do with him is if they take him for 22, they just go all in next year and they hope they can do something. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily the right move, but I think that that is potentially very likely. What should they do? I, I, I really don't know. I, I It's been something that I've changed my answer on so many times because I don't know that there is a right answer. I, th- I think there is a wrong answer, and I think the wrong answer is letting him walk. I, think I don't think the wrong think... answer is letting him walk. Correct. And I think that's the only wrong answer is just letting him walk and, and then maybe getting a comp pick in the third or fourth round. I don't know. It, it, because I think that if you tag him, I, elite wide receivers don't necessarily grow on trees. Now, yes, they have been coming out more and more often, but would a team want to... I mean, there is a team out there that has to love what T. Higgins brings. The question no. is is will that team pay the price that the Bengals want? And and yeah, that I, I, is kind of in this same realm one of the other big questions of this offseason. Mhm. Cuz I don't know the answer. Uh question number 3, Mick, and this is one that is is massive here. Okay. We've talked about this a lot over these last couple of weeks. Biggest issue with the defense has been explosive plays. One of the biggest Second in the league, the only team that's given up more explosive plays, which are plays of 20 yards or more, is the Washington Commanders. I think it was something along the lines of the Bengals gave up over 120 explosive plays this season. You know, I'm not great at math, but that's, what, about seven to eight per game, give Mm -hmm. or take? Yeah. That's abysmal. That's awful. Yeah. Can that be fixed
1: in one offseason? I think it can be. Um We've touched on this before. We've touched on this before. The defensive backfield's really young. Um, But I think a lot of us have faith in Lou still that he can get this figured out with this unit. Um, You know, I just think that the... I just think it was too little time and too much turnover for it to really turn around this season. And... But does all of this blame go on the defensive backfield?
0: Because I think as much could go into the front, you know, six. I think
1: think in recent weeks, I would say a lot of it could, you know, go to the front four, really the pass rush. Because like we've said before, DJ Reader's kind of concealed that um, with his ability to pass rush and obviously Trey. But, you know, I don't think it's any shock because if we look at big play rate, do you have it week by week, or I mean, just I do my not. Initial, my initial thoughts is that they've given up more big plays in recent weeks than they have earlier in the season. Uh, honestly, I think it has been pretty consistent, I except for I a mean, couple I, of
0: games in there. As
1: far I feel as like the Texans game was kind of the launching point for this, because uh, I mean, wait,
0: well, it had been a prop, I think that might have been where, because I mean, you there have been. I mean, it, it it happened quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it happened against the Niners, uh, I guess. But, I mean, you kind of just chalk that up to the Niners' offense being really good. But um, I think... I, I think Seattle uh, had quite a bit, too. They just
0: kept stalling in the red zone as well.
1: Okay, maybe. I don't know. I'm just thinking... But still, Steelers I'm could, saying
0: that it, it has been a year long, and I know Riley asked the question here, is how, how much happened after the change from Scott? I don't think there's been any difference at all. I, I don't think there has either, but
1: also I think the big thing is the pass rush hasn't been able to conceal it in recent weeks because and that's Trey's fair. been playing banged up for probably the past two months. Same with Sam Hubbard. Um, DJ Reader obviously being out in the last two weeks has been a nightmare. Uh, really, I mean, and Trey still, still had pretty good production, but not nearly... At the same rate he did before he uh before he got injured against the was that the Bills or the Texans? That was that was one of the two. Trey but got yeah. hurt Texans
0: because it was leading into the Ravens game.
1: Yes. Okay. So yeah, I, I I don't think there's any uh I think that was a big thing is that the lack of pass rush exposed the coverage a little bit. But Still, the defensive backfield's really young. You can tell that there were. you knew there were going to be growing pains going into the season. Now, I didn't think Dax Hill was going to be as bad as he was because he really hasn't had that good of a year. But you've seen a lot of promise in Jordan Battle. You've seen a lot of good out of CTB. Uh, DJ Turner, I think he just has to work on his physicality at the, at the catch point. But if you've noticed, I mean, he's stayed with receivers You know pretty well Uh, his speed. His speed's very good, but he just hasn't been able to outbody the other receiver, and then they just end up getting a really big pass play out of it. So I think you know the more experience DJ Turner has, um, you know, in in the in in those types of situations, I think he can only get better at it. so yeah, I think it could get fixed next year. I I would I would kind of expect it to look a lot better than what it did this year. It's hard well, for it to look any worse.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it can't look much worse. And if it doesn't, I mean you're 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 it doesn't matter what your offense can do if you're continuously giving up big plays without if it, if it uh, doesn't
1: lose gone after next year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah without question. Without it's question. Not even that, a because question. It's,
0: at some point you're gonna have to place some blame on somebody, if anything else, as a scapegoat or something. Speaking of that. And more of a broad, but I think there's one specific name that can probably be tagged to this. Will there be any assistant coaching changes on the Cincinnati Bengals? Because I think there's a couple of options. I think the, the obvious most one that we've talked the most about is offensive line Frank Pollock. Uh, and I think that I think it's probably time to get some new blood in there regardless.
1: Yes, I think Frank's the obvious one. Now, I'm I, I'm actually looking at the staff right now just to see. Uh,
0: another one that obviously stands out to me, and it's one that we've had a conversation with about both on and off this show, is Brian Callahan. And what I mean by that is Brian Callahan potentially becoming an attractive head coaching uh, candidate. Now, will he get a job? I, I don't know, but I think that he is far and away the Bengals most likely uh, candidates as far as a head coaching uh, on this staff. Now, if he does not leave, I think the Bengals will be looking for a new quarterback coach because I think Dan Pitcher, who is their quarterback coach will leave to go be an offensive coordinator I think, somewhere else. I Dan Pitcher last year gave an interview to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and didn't end up getting the job. So yeah. that's that I think is you're looking at a couple of those assistant coach changes as far as promotions, but I think the only one, as far as getting rid of, is Frank Pollock.
1: Yeah, we talk about the the quarterbacks coach. I mean, they they got Brad Cragthorpe as the assistant QBs coach, so I guess theoretically, they would just elevate him to quarterbacks coach. But yeah, I think Frank's the obvious uh, fire candidate. Brian, I think there's a really good chance he'll he'll get a job, especially with the way the offense has performed at times with Jake Browning as quarterback. Um. Looking at the others, I wonder, if, I wonder if they should really take a hard look at Marion Hobby um, because he's a defensive line coach, by the way. Yeah, Marion Hobby, uh, who they signed, I guess, two
0: two or three seasons ago. He was not an original Zach Kier, but he was a second
1: wave of yes, Zach he Kier. came in 2021. Um, From the Dolphins. Just because a lot of the defensive line players we've drafted, I feel like, haven't developed – well i think miles murphy's looked pretty good um uh, but it hasn't you know looked like a first round edge rusher yet uh zach carter obviously is uh bad and he was a third round draft pick so you think there would be some production out of there you've seen declines in play from you've seen a decline in play from bj hill this year uh Sam Hubbard, I don't know, you could probably attribute that to the injury, but he hasn't looked uh, like himself. I mean, I think that's somebody you got to take a hard look at.
0: Yeah, I I think that there will be some changes on this staff, and it'll be some of the first changes in a couple of years, as this staff has been pretty stagnant. I mean, it's pretty much stayed the same for these last two-plus seasons. I mean, obviously, Zach Taylor's the same coordinators every single year as being a head coach, uh, which is unheard of in the NFL to not have any changes at any of those positions but I think offensive coordinator and quarterback coach one of those two will change I think that I feel pretty confident in that because if if Brian Callahan leaves more than likely Dan Pitcher would then just be promoted to be the offensive coordinator for the Bengals so I think the Bengals are going to need a new quarterback coach no matter what now would it be Cragthorpe? Thorpe I, I'm not quite an expert on assistant quarterback coaches in the NFL sorry about that uh, but and then in the same question too is is who do you go for offensive line coach? And to me, there is one obvious answer that if there's any way in that they could pull it off is Bill Callahan, who is Brian's father, who is notably known as one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. Now, obviously, there's one smidge of a problem there. He's the offensive line coach of the Browns, and obviously, the Browns probably aren't just going to let him walk out the door uh because of a con you know or whatever it might be so i i don't see that actually happening unless he would you know i i don't know uh maybe they could theoretically work it out to where he would be promoted to assistant head coach but then that's darren simmons so there's there's a lot of mess with that so I, i i don't know but i think it'll be really interesting to see
1: yeah um I mean, Bill Callahan would be would be a dream. I don't really know any other offensive line coaches off the top of my head, so I can't really answer that.
0: You're not an expert on offensive line coaches in the NFL? Why don't, why don't
1: they bring back Jim? Let's not talk about them. Okay, how about my last question? You know who I'd actually want back? And Paul Alexander? About, yes, I would love to have Paul okay. Alexander back. He's coaching a, a a German. He's the head coach of a German team right now. So uh, bring him back the <laughs> the last question to me kind
0: of fits into this discussion, and that is what happens to the Bengals offensive line, because I think you have three positions, and I know you you were talk, touching on to me the other night, and I don't know that I agree with you uh, as far as right now, your left tackle next year is Orlando Brown Jr. Yep. You're paying him. He's your left tackle. Uh, your center, in my eyes, is going to be Ted Karras. I know you think he could be a cap casualty, but that'll be a good discussion here in these next couple of weeks to talk about as to why you think that, because we are running a little short on time here. Alex is going to be your right guard. Cordell Volson will probably be your left guard, but potentially... And I don't think Jonah Williams is back at right tackle, because I think he will... Uh, you know i think for for two instances for one i don't know that he'd want to come back and two i don't think the bengal's will be able to afford him because he's now shown that he can at least play left and right tackle average and with that much versatility he's going to get paid in the off season and i don't think the bengal's will pay him so i think that is a big question is what happens at right tackle and then potentially again left guard is that draft is that free agency is that the first round pick? Do you know, do you go get the right tackle from Georgia? Do you get the right tackle from Oregon State? Uh, there's the guy from Alabama. You know, how do you how do you read into all of that? And I think that to me is one of the big questions: is what happens on that offensive line, especially at right tackle and left guard.
1: Yeah, uh, they really missed out on Dewan Jones uh, in 2023. I mean, that could have been a, a really a really good draft pick for them. I think that they look to the draft for the right tackle position. Uh, Like you mentioned, Talese Waga from Oregon State, Amarius Mims from Georgia, I think are both very quality, uh, potential NFL starting right tackles, and that's where they played in college. Um, Center, uh, there's really not that many centers uh, that, like, and also I'm not a big fan of a rookie center anyways because uh, of the Russell Bodine experience that we had like 10 15 years ago or whatever so i think you look i think that's a position you probably want to have a guy that has experience uh so i think that they look to free agency for center uh mentioned uh lloyd cushionberry joe Burrow, center uh from lsu who has played with the denver Broncos past four years is a free agent uh going in to next offseason i do think uh, there's a possibility that Ted's going to be a cap casualty. Now, I don't, I would say, I'd say it's probably like a 30% chance it happens. I don't think it's likely um, because it's not like he's been terrible or by any means. He's been pretty good. Yeah, I think of he, the he's, and he's, he's not
0: given up a sack in the last, I think I was reading earlier today since week 10 or something. Yeah. He's not at a sack at least. That's why I don't, I don't agree with saying I don't think there's any chance. chance. I don't know.
1: I just don't see them. Getting rid of him, at least in yeah. my realm. No, I've heard about him being kicked into the guard. and them finding a new center, uh, that is a, definitely a possibility. I think it would be a decent. There's a decent chance of that happening. Um, but yeah, I I don't think. Um, they're obviously not cutting anybody in Kappa and Brown are are definitely safe. But uh, yeah. There's, there's there's a lot they could do with this, so yeah, it'll be very interesting. Those are my five
0: off-season questions, and really topics that I mean, between your season takeaways, Mick, and my off-season questions, those will be topics that we will talk a lot about over these next weeks and months as we are, you know, just about two months away from free agency. I, I think free agency, you know, starts around mm-hmm. your birthday. Every single
1: time, you know,
0: in that realm of that first week in March or so on,
1: The best birthday present ever.
0: Uh, Well, my birthday present back in 2020 was Von Bell. He signed on my birthday, which I was very excited about. It turned out to be a pretty good sign. Gift at all? Not a bad birthday gift. I won't say where I was. I can tell you off air as to where I was. I remember exactly where I was when I found out. Um, How about let's at least touch here since we're running a little bit short on time. The Browns and the Bengals closed the regular season on Sunday at Paycor Stadium be on CBS at 1 o'clock. Tom McCarthy, James Lofton, Jay Feely, and Tip- t- Tiffany Blackman. This is Will how you know call? this
1: game's going to be garbage. The
0: official, are you ready for this, Mick? I guarantee you've never heard of this man in your life.
1: God, it's not Brad, whatever his last name is. No, right? he's the actually guy doing, doing the ruined... Steelers game. He's
0: doing the Steelers. He gets another primetime game on Saturday. He's doing Steelers-Ravens, What's which is kind name? of fun. Brad Rogers. Brad, 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 Brad Allen. Brad Allen. Brad Allen. His name. Yes. God, Alan, what an awful
1: situation. Alan Eck. Allen Eck. Eck
0: is the official for the Bengals game. The Bengals in games he is officiated 0 and 0. This is oh, his first never, year as a head ref. Done, oh, okay. His first year as a head ref. He was the umpire though for both of the Chiefs home games in the last 2 years. So he's at least Got, I mean, and there's been more opportunities for him, but I at least mentioned that. The ruler of the jungle on Sunday, Mick, is everybody's good friend, Tony the Tiger. Tony Brooks, Bengals fan of the year, will be leading the team in that. I know I was reading, you know, season ticket members. I don't know if you know this, Mick. Uh, season ticket members, when you walk into the gate, if you get your ticket scanned per account, $25 gift certificate to the Pro Shop.
1: Awesome. Oh, hey, that's, a, that's uh, pretty good.
0: Yeah, I And now I know that from what I understand is that is going to be like, you have to use it in like a two week period or something, but still, you get that. And I know that they were supposedly going to be giving away some more stuff throughout the game as well. Uh, As far as previewing the game, Mick, Jeff Driscoll, old friend is starting at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. I'll be honest. Had no idea he was on the Browns until noon today.
1: I don't know if he had any idea he was on the Browns either. Uh has he been on their practice squad, or was he? A, That's what I, I had
0: meant to go in and look and see. You know, looking it
1: up right now. That was one of those names that I was like,
0: "Oh, I he remember you. Cardinals.
1: I remember he was on the Cardinals practice squad. Yeah, he was on the Cardinals this year, and he must have gotten cut or poached recently. Um, December
0: the twenty ninth, he was signed off <laughs> of the practice squad. So he is. He is Good really
1: <laughs> correct. He was
0: on fr- last Friday. He was signed off the practice squad to be. Uh, the starting quarterback here for the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. P.J. Walker will be the backup. I know Kevin Stefanski said earlier today that he doesn't really expect many of their starters to play. Like, I, I'd i be, I mean, there's no point in Myles Garrett playing. You know, there's a lot of these guys that you're just not going to see play for the Browns on on Sunday. Because of that, there's really not a lot for us to preview, Mick, because we don't really know what we're going to be seeing from the Browns. No, this is like,
1: you know... This this is two years
0: ago when the Bengals went up there and they'd already clinched their playoff spot.
1: Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I was going to say 2019 end of the season game against the Browns as well, where the Bengals were 1-14 and and snuck a win in there. Um, Yeah, not much to preview. It's going to be nice to see Jeff Driscoll back. I've mentioned him a lot in past weeks just because uh i think jake browning's game reminds me a lot of of jeff driscoll maybe a little bit more maybe jake's a little more refined as a passer but uh gonna be fun seeing jeff play again if uh, you
0: are planning on traveling into the game on saturday or sunday or something i will mention that there is the s word and the forecast on saturday i know it's really? still a little bit out yeah i as 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 said person who's going to be having to travel in either on Saturday or Sunday, none too thrilled. Uh, I, I know that they're really still like a day out from where they're supposed to give accumulations. I don't think it's supposed to be over on Sunday. So it's not like we're gonna get a snow game on Sunday, but there will potentially be some snow on the ground when you're tailgating on Sunday. I, I know it's supposed to be chilly. It's you know, it's gonna be a game in, in mid in the early January. Uh, it's right now, you know, 38 degrees, a low of 35. So it's going to be just cold Ohio weather there, but snow on Saturday. So you could have at least some on the ground if you're
1: going to be tailgating. I don't know how that makes you feel, Mick. But bring the hand warmers, wear extra yeah. layers. You'll be ready to go. We know you'll bring plenty of hand warmers for everyone. I love, I love using hand warmers. They're so nice. Mick, what are your um, keys,
0: keys to victory? Or do you yeah. have any other things that you want to say?
1: You've got to bring key... us your
0: keys to victory, right? Uh, oh, who?
1: Keys the victory. Have fun. Play hard. <laughs> yeah. Clear, clear. What is that? What does Friday night say? Friday night lights say? Uh, clear hearts. Wait. Clear minds. Full hearts. Can't lose. There you go. That's all I've got. I don't know. Go out there and uh, honestly, yeah. Clear minds, clear hearts
0: can't lose. That's the song by T-Pal.
1: There you go. Um, honestly, go out there and get me a thirteenth overall pick.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, Go out there and this game
0: has strong preseason game number three feelings for me, where I'm just gonna go and I'm just gonna have a good time, you know it's whatever happens happens. You know, everything's out the window. It doesn't really matter now. So we get to just have some fun on Sunday to watch the Bengals and the Browns. Um, if the Bengals win, they will clinch the first all winning record division. To the AFC North. It'd be the first division to do that. since like the mid 1950s. See, which would be Wild.
1: See, I, I don't that, know that that means the anything reason to me. I'd be pulling for us. You know, I'd really want us to win is because it, that would just be crazy that every team in the AFC North is over 500. Well, then uh, it would also be wild to think
0: as well that the Bengals, if they lose, it would be the first time they lost every division game since 2002. Yeah. Which is just kind of, you know, Crazy that they've there have been some rough Bengals teams during that stretch since 2002, but at least one of them picked up a year. And this Bengals team that finishes 500 pretty much doesn't, it's just kind
1: of wild. You know, they they dominate the we, NFC, but we've can't talked about the this North. at length throughout the season. The AFC North, I mean, this might be and and if they go 500, you know, if they go above 500, it all just confirms it. But the, I, I've told you this plenty of times, this is the best I've ever seen the AFC North as a whole. Uh, because usually the Browns are, are crappy, uh, but they're not now. And their defense is really good. Uh, but yeah, I, this is definitely the best I've seen the division as a whole. I don't see it really changing. Uh, I don't see the landscape really changing much uh, next year or in future years. Um, it's just, it sucks. It sucks we're in this division. Like we could be in the NFC South right now. And we'd be, I don't know. 13 and four, you know, back or the, NFC we or the NFC them. West, or the NFC West, yeah, we, 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 we should, yeah, yeah, it's true. We should, literally, any NFC division
0: West. except the NFC East, I feel like the Bengals would have a lot of success. I think they do
1: good in the NFC East, too. I, I think they would, because they, the, the I think the, the clear class of the AFC East is, is the Bills, Anf- NFC and we beat East, them. is what I said, oh, the NFC East. Yeah, with Eagles, oh, Cowboys.
0: to be tough. Yeah, yeah, that one would be tough when when you look at that. How about we make some picks for this game? Oh God, okay. on Sunday, uh, Bengals, Browns, Mick. Because I'm the nice guy, I'm gonna let you go first.
1: Oh uh, yeah, that's that's a nice Bengals thing seventeen ever, thirteen. There you go. Oh, there you go. I'll go uh, Bengals twenty seven, Browns uh seventeen. I think think that I think we end the season with a bang and Jake's obviously, you know, playing against backups and he plays decent against starters. So offense should look okay.
0: Does anybody not play for the Bengals that would, you would not like I I classify it as, are there going to be any bowl game opt outs for the Bengals on this game? There there will be a few.
1: There will be a few. (laughs) Do you have Uh, any predictions? I think I don't. I don't think Jamar or T will play. Um, I nor nor they nor should they. Uh, Hubbard's not going to play. I don't think. Um, who else? Um, Irv Smith is going to be active on the roster, but won't get a single snap like he did last week. Um, that's that. Thanks for that hot take right there. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if Mixon's really going to get much. Um uh, I don't so. I hope he doesn't. I, I want to see I want to see more and more Chase Brown, yeah, I feel like you got to see what you've got in some of these young guys. Um, so, yeah, I and mean that's why
0: I think this is your final preseason game. I think you're gonna see a lot of that in there where you, just to see what some of these guys got. you're gonna see a lot of Yoshi. You're gonna see a lot of Charlie Jones, I'm hoping because Charlie hoping Jones be a wild lot card. of Charlie
1: Jones this year. We haven't seen him do anything this year other than the week two punt return for a touchdown.
0: He said, "What two catches, three catches, something like that." And yeah, he nothing. He potentially could be filling in and being the next Tyler Boyd as a slot receiver, and I don't know that I have much confidence in that. So that is a definite big, uh, big question mark as we move along with that. But uh, Mick, mm-hmm. it's been fun as always. Next week, um, I don't really know what we're going to be talking about. You never really know.
1: I we, I don't know either. To, I really, I yeah. Think. What are we? Because we kind of served this week's show as what. Was supposed off- to be next week's show if they didn't make the playoffs. Correct. So All maybe we'll
0: decades. dive specifically into the offense next week and go into each position by position and so on. Talk about the free agents and and dive into that or free agents as a whole. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out. And what we know is it'll be a. I can we say
1: good show? It'll be a show. Yep, yeah, it'll be something you can watch and maybe enjoy. I don't. I'm Mate. not gonna claim. Yeah, I'm not gonna claim that you're gonna enjoy it. I don't know. If, if anything else, you'll get to read the
0: somewhat comments of Riley James, and what isn't that why everyone is here? They'll or get Frank's read. comments. Frank, welcome yes, back. Yes, Frank. I feel like we people actually really in a while. Frank, people actually okay. want to hear from Riley. Yeah. I don't know that people actually want to hear from. Yeah, for being honest. But uh, make sure to follow us on our social media channels. We're on Twitter, Jungle Juice Pod. We're on Facebook. We are on uh, all of your favorite podcasting platforms, Spotify, iTunes, all of it. Make sure you go back and listen to the show that way. Maybe you're going to be traveling to the game on Sunday. Make sure you listen to our phenomenal voices and get caught up on all of the action as we get you ready for there. We'll be back a week from tonight, Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern time for the next edition of the show. Mick, it's been fun as always. We'll
1: see you next week. We'll see you. Thanks for watching, guys, and day. Good day.